0: doing This morning, can you hear me all right? Thank you for your prayers. We're well. I feel great. I sound terrible, but I feel great. Um, I haven't been that sick in about 15 years. And I, I told Kim one day last week um, well, week before last when we were both down, we had the flu. And um, I just reached up and scratched my head and I went, Ow! And she said, What's wrong? I said, My hair hurts. <laughs> it just my hair actually hurt. Uh, and uh, and and bless her heart, I am the worst patient on the planet, especially when I have a fever. I am an absolute baby. I am, uh, it's, it's horrible. I mean, two-year-olds do better than I do with, with stuff like that. And so I moan and I groan and I just, uh. but anyway, we're well. Uh, we don't sound good, but we're well. And thank you for your prayers. I hate missing last week. Hate missing Halloween on the Hill. I think, um, That's the fourth time I've missed a Sunday in 29 years as your pastor due to being sick. So I just don't get sick very often, thank God. And I don't ever want to get sick again. I'll just be honest with you. That was miserable. That was miserable. Okay, let's get into um, this series on giving. I I was going to just end it today, but last night I was doing some studying and uh, and God just dumped something in my spirit for next Sunday. So we're going to extend one more week on the giving series. But next Sunday, I want to talk to you about cheerful generosity, cheerful generosity is some some additional principles that we want to look at in the area of giving of our time, talent, and treasure. And so, uh, but this morning, you know, we're unpacking two chapters in in the Bible, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And I hope that you've added those to your devotions the last few weeks. Tommy did a great job filling in last Sunday at the, literally at the 11th hour and, and hit it out of the ballpark. And I appreciate that. But we're talking about eight different principles in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, and so we've unpacked four of them already, Uh, and also keep in mind that it's not just about finance. It's about giving of your time. It's about giving of the talent that God has given you. Over 200 volunteers made it, made Halloween on the Hill a success again this year. That's the type of stuff that we're talking about, but it is also involving our treasure as well, our finances. The first principle that we've covered, I'm gonna recap them quickly and then get into the last four today. We belong to God and all we have comes from him. That is the most important principle that you and I could grasp. It all comes from God. Everything belongs to God. You belong to God, I belong to God. Everything we have, our jobs come from God. They belong to God, our homes, our families, everything belongs to God. And all he says to us is, hey, just return some of what I've entrusted you back on a regular basis. That's all he says. All right, this is the most important principle of all. Number two, we've got to make the basic decision that God is Lord and not money. We're going to serve God or we're going to serve money. We've got to make that basic decision because whatever we seek first is what organizes our life. Whatever's a priority, everything else falls after that thing. And if you make money the priority, then everything in your life is gonna be geared around every decision that you make. Everything will be, will be filtered through the money thing. You can't do that. None of us can. If we do, then that puts Jesus, that puts Jesus at, at second fiddle, if you will. He becomes secondary to making money. And God, since he owns it all, he's in charge of your finances. You give it to him. Let him be the Lord of your life. Let him be the Lord of your finances. Let him be the Lord of your time. Let him be the Lord of your talent. Because whatever you seek first is what's going to organize your life. Number three, we give in order to first learn to honor and trust God. We, learn, we give in order to advance God's kingdom purposes. You're going to be hearing a lot about this as we launch into the new year. The things that you as Generations United Church accomplish, most of you have no idea. Because we haven't done a good job of telling you and letting you and telling you the stories of what's going on. I got a report just this week, just this past week about uh, a ministry we launched a few months ago called Care Portal. Uh, care portal is is something that if you don't know anything about it, you need to be finding out about it. Uh, you need to be getting with with uh, Brandon and Mel, get with Pastor Jeff, get with Debbie Gunner, uh, Debbie uh, Cassidy, and others, and make sure you get on board and know what they're doing and what's happening with that. Because we are meeting need after need after need after need all the time of people that are in the foster care system, people that are in, or that are that are adoptions and all this kind of stuff, making sure that the needs in our community are being met. That's just one instance of it. You're going to hear more and more about those types of things because we've got to to advance God's kingdom purposes. We've got to help those that are in need. If you see a need and you can meet the need, meet the need. That's what we do. That's who we are as Christians. You see a need, you meet the need. Jesus said what? When you've done it to the least of these, well, how how do we, when you gave somebody a cool drink of water, when you gave somebody some clothes, when you gave somebody food, when you gave somebody shelter, when you just gave someone a listening ear, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And then the last thing is sort up treasure in heaven. We send it ahead. You're not gonna take any of it with you, right? You're not gonna take any of it with you. When you leave this earth, everything that you've accumulated on this earth, guess what? It stays here. It stays here unless you've sent it ahead. And we send it ahead by meeting people's needs, by advancing the kingdom, by honoring, trusting God. That's how we do that. Number four, give. giving should be in proportion to your income and to your opportunities. It's proportionally, it's, it's not one person doing it all. In most churches, I'll tell you this, this is across the board in, the, in, the, in America, 80% of the needs of the finances are provided by 20% of the people in, in, in the churches in America. Also, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people that attend churches. Do you know what we have at Gen U? We have over 45% of the people that make U their church home, active in ministry in some form or another. <laughs> to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Now, does that mean, ah oh, we're there? No. Because what are we shooting for? 100%. 100%. That's what we want. That's what you should want. That's what we're doing. Those are the, those are the first four principles in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Once again, giving encompasses our time, our talent, and our treasure. Tommy's already talked about this morning, and you've heard us talk about it over and over, that we, we live to know God and to live connected with one another and to make a difference in the world. How do we do that? Through the giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure. That's how we do this. So let's get into the next four, okay? Principle number five on giving is this. Giving is seen as a proof, a proof, of our love for God, and it should be done sacrificially and voluntarily. My voice okay, guys? Okay, good. You got it going on, Michael. Thank you. I told him, I said, you're going to have to add some lows this morning because I got no low. Got a little bit of high, but I got no low. Giving is seen as a proof of our love for God, and it should be done sacrificially and voluntarily. In Luke chapter 2, there are two examples that Jesus brings out in the area of giving in the Gospels. One's in Luke and one's in Matthew. And they're, they're found other places, but I'm going to use those as references today. In Luke chapter 21, verse, the first four verses, there, Jesus is at the temple. And everybody's coming in and when you, when people went to worship at temple, they would come in and they would bring their offerings and they would put it in the temple treasury and all this kind of stuff. And so Jesus is watching the offering being taken up at the temple this day. And he takes note of something that's very important for us. He takes note first of the, of the, of the uh, abundance that some bring to the offering. They're coming in with their baskets and they're putting, they're putting the gold, large amounts of silver and gold, they're putting it into the temple treasury. It says this. He said he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. But then verse two, he also saw, saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Now when you're looking at the gold, you're going to a jewelry store and you're looking at the gold, you really don't want anybody to show you the copper. Right? I mean ladies think about this for just a second. If you have got an opportunity for 14, 18, 24 karat gold or copper, not many of you are going to go, give me that copper. How <laughs> many of us are going to do that? Why? Well, because gold's more valuable. Gold's more valuable. We like we like gold. We like the shiny. We like those kind of things. But notice what happens here. She's a poor widow, she's giving two Small copper coins. And he, Jesus says this in verse three. This poor widow has given more than all the others. And he explains why he's made this observation. All these individuals, he said, and he's acknowledging the gift. He's not, he's not denying the gift. He's not saying it's a bad gift. He's not, he's not looking down on their gift. He's simply acknowledging. They have given their gifts out of their wealth But she has given out of her poverty because she put in all she had to live on. The difference in the attitude. The second example that I want you to see is in Matthew 19. It's a young man that comes to Jesus and says, hey, what must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, well, Why do you call me good? He goes into this kind of a teaching there, but he said, "Here's the deal: you got to keep the commandments." And Jesus said, "Well." The guy said, "Well, which ones?" And he said, "Well, you know, you got to can't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, all this. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor." And the kid says, "This all these I've kept. All these I've kept. What do I still lack?" Now, here's the thing: here's a man that comes to Jesus wanting eternal life, knowing that he's kept all the commandments. Knowing he's kept all the commandments. And when Jesus said, Here's what you do, he says, Wait a minute, I've done all that, but something's missing. What do I still lack? And Jesus looked at him and said, Sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Now, is Jesus saying you can't have wealth? He's not saying that. What he's saying is, Who's your master? Who's, who's the Lord? Are you serving money or are you serving God? Are you serving money or are you looking to be a person that your giving is gonna be proof of how much you love God? In proportion to what you have. The widow gave everything she had. The wealth gave plenty. They gave, monetarily, they gave far above what she did. But yet Jesus acknowledged both gifts and said, you gave, yes, out of, out of your reserve, out of your wealth. She gave everything she had. The young man said this. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, if you want eternal life, go and sell all your possessions, give to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. What's one of the reasons that we give? We said it earlier, to store up things ahead. If you hold on to it on this side, you're not going to get your greatest return out of it. It's been entrusted to you to touch other people. And you're going to see some things in just a few minutes that are going to back what I'm saying up. But if we give, if we give as a proof of our love for God, there's got to be a sacrifice. and It's got to be something that we choose to do. It's got to be something we choose to do. Two, two very vivid examples that Jesus brings to our attention, but they both have opposite reactions to giving. The widow gave everything. The young man gave nothing. He thought, well, I'm keeping the commandments. So that's gotta be enough. But he asked the question, what do I still lack? And all Jesus is saying to him is this. Money cannot be your God. Money can't be your Lord. The resources you have are to be used to touch other people's lives. That's why they're given. In 2 Corinthians 8, he says, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you. Paul is commending the Macedonians because of the way they gave. And he's telling them, keep doing that so that the Corinthians can see what you're doing. They want to see your example. Because when it boils right down to it, folks, here's the thing. Giving is not about a command and obedience. It's not about command and obedience. You give or God's going to whack you. And, and you know what? I've, I've been guilty down through the years of teaching a real hard line on tithing. And I've apologized to you for a lot of things that I've taught down through the years because I just had it screwed up, okay? And I'm telling you, I'm not saying that tithing is done away with the New Testament because I don't believe that it is. But I'm saying that under grace, we have a different motivation, have a different motivation for giving as opposed to there's a command and I've got to obey the command. It's not. We respond to God and His grace given toward us by being gracious back. Yeah. And that's where the sacrificial and voluntary giving comes in our life. It's not about command and obedience, but rather giving is an outcome of our obedience to God. Giving is a God-glorifying proof of our practical obedience to Jesus Christ. Our giving becomes a harvest of righteousness in us and in the world. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, 3, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, some even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You've got to decide What's God laying on your heart? What is he saying to you about your finances? You decide in your heart what you're going to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I know a lot of people that wouldn't teach this, they wouldn't take up the offering until after this was over with. Because we can, as a public speaker, there's power in words and you can leverage people to do things in a moment. I have literally seen people in crusades when I was younger. I've seen people walk up. I saw a boy one night. His mom and dad bought him a brand new motorcycle. He was a junior in high school. They bought him a brand new motorcycle. He went to a crusade, a prosperity speaker, and he said, look, the preacher got into everybody's head, and this kid went out and got his motorcycle and rolled it down the center of the church and gave the evangelist the keys to the motorcycle. People throwing diamond rings in the offering, giving up their car keys and their titles and all this kind of stuff. I've seen this stuff with my own eyes. Now, here's the problem with that. He said, like, well, bless that boy's heart. He, he was giving. No, it wasn't his to give. His mom and dad were not saved. Can you imagine the mess that that stirred up? But the problem is, this, I understand that it's easy as a public speaker to leverage people's emotions and stuff. And that's not what we want to do at Gen U. What we want to show you at Gen U is there is a biblical way to live our lives. And we want to know God. And knowing God means we give of our time, talent, and treasure. But you decide. You decide what's in your heart to give. But don't do it reluctantly. Oh, well, here's the offering coming around again. man, I wish they'd quit passing that tub. You know, why do we have to see that on the screen every week, every time? You're going to get a letter at the end of the year asking you to give. Yeah, you do. But if you do it reluctantly or begrudgingly, guess what? There's a problem. Thank you very much. I think I'm going to sit down and just let you come on up here and finish this up this morning. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We give Cheerfully. We'll talk a lot about this next week. Cheerful generosity. Because God loves a cheerful giver. We have received God's grace, and as a grace recipient, we give at an expression of the grace that we have received. That's principle number five. Look at number six with me. By giving to God, we plant. Or we invest not only money and faith, but also service, our time and our talent. This means that we, we will harvest or reap the benefits of greater faith, greater effectiveness, and greater blessings. Verse five of 2 Corinthians 8 says this, they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then to other works of the ministry. Verse chapter nine and verse six, remember this, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 10, 2 Corinthians 9. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And look at verse 11. This is very important. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. excuse me lord give me some grace here the service jesus said paul said that this service that you perform in the giving is not only supplying the needs of the lord's table but is overflowing in many expressions of thanks to god we give knowing that as we respond to the grace of god that's been given to us we give generously Knowing that we'll have other opportunities to even be more generous. And it results in a harvest of righteousness. Number seven. Excuse me, folks. When God supplies more than we need, we oh, go, well, hey, boy, I'm waiting on that to happen. When God supplies more than we need, now get this, it is so we can multiply our good works and be a blessing to other people. If you look at your checkbook at the end of the week, or your bank account—most people don't look at checkbooks anymore—you look at your bank account. You go online and you go, "Hey, I paid all my bills, and there's some left over." What do you do with it? Do you hoard it, or do you give it? You got to decide. Well, I got—I got—I got. Look, I'm not against saving. I think we should. You got to save. You got to save. One thing that I'm not is this, and I don't, believe, I don't believe in that we gather and gather and gather and continue to gather and gather and gather and build more barns and gather more. I don't believe that's what we do. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that that's how we do this. We count the cost, yes. But the reality of it is we've been given this stuff and this stuff is to be given back. Whatever it is, money, time, talent, whatever you got, we give it as needs arise. Because verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 9, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Give me that bottle of water, please. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to get through this. Ephesians 4, Paul gets kind of, he gets kind of really harsh. He says this, anyone who's been stealing must stop. Good advice. Must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. When God supplies more than we need, it is so we can multiply our good works and be a blessing to other people. Number eight. Giving increases our dedication to God. Giving increases our dedication to God. You want to know God in a deeper way? Then increase your giving. Increase your giving of your time. Increase the giving of your talent. Increase the giving of of what's going on in in, in your treasure. Increase it. Well, how much should I increase it? I don't know. The Bible kind of says this. You decide. You decide. What's he calling you to do? Well, I don't I don't I don't really know that I've got any extra. Okay. Can you scrape up a dollar? How about this? One Starbucks. One. Oh. You ask, I just gave you an idea. (laughs) But giving increases our dedication to the Lord. It activates God's work and blessings in our financial affairs. Matthew 6, 21 says this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be. Remember the young man that went away sorrowful because he had so much? He He wanted eternal life. He wanted eternal life, and he knew he was lacking something. Even though he had held all the all of the commandments, he had done everything. He dotted all the i's, crossed all the t's. He knew he had done that, but yet he still asked Jesus, "There's something missing. What was missing? It was the lordship issue. It was the lordship issue. His treasure was not in Jesus. His treasure was in his treasure." And that's where that's what dominated. That's what he sought first. That what that's what dominated his life, and that's what organized his life. Luke 638. And I know I may be taking this out of context just a little bit because it's in the context of forgiveness. But it's also a passage that speaks very pointedly to the concept of giving. Now notice this give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, here's the principle. Here's the principle of sowing and reaping. Okay, here's the principle of of how God multiplies things in our life. It doesn't matter if it's unforgiveness or forgiveness. If if you're withholding forgiveness from someone, then God's withholding forgiveness from you. Okay, you say, I thought this was a giving message. It is, but just hang on. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. You're only forgiven by God at the level that you're willing to forgive your worst enemy. Well, I just can't forgive them, Pastor. So you're gonna let that person keep you out of heaven. Your anger and unforgiveness toward that person is keeping you out of heaven. Why? Because you haven't freely given forgiveness. Yeah, but you don't know what they've done. It's irrelevant what they've done. Look, I don't know that anybody has suffered the way Jesus Christ suffered. I don't know that anybody's been betrayed at the level that Jesus has been betrayed. I don't know that anybody's been falsely accused the way Jesus was falsely accused, but yet we see him on the cross bleeding out for you and me and every human on this planet from the dawn of creation until the end of time. He's bleeding out and he looks out and he says one thing that's the most important thing we can grasp and that his father forgive them because they don't really realize what they're doing. Yeah, Yeah, but this person knew exactly what they were doing. Listen to me. Get over it. Forgive that person so you can be forgiven and so that you can see Jesus face to face someday. Okay? Forgive them. Forgive them. I I just don't feel. Look, it ain't about feeling. It's a decision. Feeling will come later, sometimes much later. But you forgive. You forgive. Forgive. Okay, that's the the deal on that. Let's get back to the money thing. (laughs) Give, and it will be given. Give forgiveness, and forgiveness will be received. Give of your time, and you'll have more time. Give of your talent, and you'll have more talent. Give of your finances, and you'll have more finances. That's how it works. But that's not why we give. That's not why we give, but it's a principle. You see, the prosperity gospel, and I'm gonna close with this. The prosperity gospel says this, I'm giving to get. I could stand up here and I could give you some scriptures and kind of twist them a little bit and tell you, if you give $1,000 today, that God's gonna give you 10,000 by the end of the month. And you know what? There would be somebody in here that would go, I received that pastor, Here's a check. I see it, I've seen it. And they leverage giving. In the second church that I was a youth pastor, a little tiny church in the north end of Bay County, we had had an elderly lady in our church that she called the pastor one day and she said, pastor, she said, I'm sick. I need you to come see me. Uh, I need you to come pray. So the pastor come over to where Kim and I lived, and he said, hey, we've got to go visit sister so-and-so. She needs prayer. So we went and we're sitting in her living room and she's sitting there and she's sick. You know, and, and we go in, and we sit down, and we talk to her for a few minutes, we're getting ready to pray. And she said, Pastor, she said, she said, I've been watching Brother So-and-So on TV. And he told me this morning, he pointed his finger right at me this morning, and said, If I would write a check for a thousand dollars and send it to his ministry, that God's gonna do this and God's gonna do that, and God's gonna do all these kind of things. And she said, I'm torn because all I got is my is my quarterly tithe check that I normally give to this church. But if I give it, I'll get more. And I'm sitting there going, I wonder how this pastor's gonna handle that. And he looked at this lady, he said, let me ask you something, sister, let me ask you something. Why didn't you call brother so-and-so this morning when when you needed prayer because you were sick? And she said, what do you mean? She said, well, if you're gonna be tithing to his ministry, Shouldn't he be the one that's praying for you when you're sick? Because obviously that's your pastor. And she said, she started crying. She said, pastor, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Now here's the thing, folks. You give the genu. I get a salary, I get paid. I get paid very well. I really do. I've been here forever. 37, 37 years last Sunday. I've been a part of this church, been in this church. But now listen to me. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how much you give to Generations United Church, it doesn't pad the pocketbooks of the pastors. We get paid a salary, we get paid well, we work very hard. But I'm going to tell you something. It ain't about giving to get. Because we don't give to get more, we give to be able to give more. You will be increased and enriched in every way so that on every occasion you can be more generous. Look, if you want to give to other ministries, that's fine. That's up between you and the Lord. You got to decide in your heart what you're going to give. But this is a table you set at every week. This is where you get fed. This is where your children get ministered to. This is where your teenagers get ministered to. This is where your families... Come. This is where you get married. This is where you go. You can be buried. This is this is this is home. And we're a family. So if you're going to give, give it at home. That's all I gotta say about that. It really is. Stand with me all over the room. The prosperity gospel says, I give to get. Biblical giving says, and it's grounded in this principle: I give so that I can give more. Paul said this, remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you will need, you will abound in every good work. And the church said, amen. amen. Bow your heads with me all over the house. Father, you see each and every one of us in this room today, God, you know where we are. I pray specifically for everybody here, everybody listening at home. God, that we'll decide, not reluctantly, but cheerfully, that we'll decide in our heart that we'll look at what you blessed us with and we'll, we'll respond to your grace to us in gracious kind. Do your work. For those that have not begun to give, I pray that they'll, that they'll step out in faith and begin, Father. For those that are giving, I pray that they'll get, begin to give more. God, give us all a heart of che- cheerful generosity, Lord, so that we can abound in every good work. that we can be more gracious in our response and of our love to you. May we give of our time, may we give of our talent and may we give of our treasure. Let's take our elements this morning. It's interesting to me that that The single most important act that Jesus did for each one of us is a giving act. That's what we're doing. We're celebrating, we're honoring the giving that Jesus did for us. Let's lift the bread this morning, Father. We take this bread today, Lord, and we know that it represents the body of Jesus Christ, and we honor it as such today. We give you thanks. And with the deepest heart of gratitude, our deepest appreciation for all that you've done for us through your broken body, shall we eat together? Lift the cup. Jesus, your blood. We honor this cup. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Through in us and through us. For those that are in this house today, like myself, that in need of physical healing, I pray as we drink this cup this morning that your healing virtue would flow. For the marriages that are in danger in this house this morning, I pray that your healing virtue would flow. For those that are struggling in addiction today, I pray that your healing virtue would flow. may the blood and body of Jesus Christ be honored as such and may yet do what it is intended to do in all of our lives and that is to bring healing and wholeness in Jesus name shall we drink together our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done in earth as it is in heaven